What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as <clears throat> always. Lots to get to today. Some big time, uh, well, not as big as usual, but a lot of midweek matchups to get to. Uh, the big one we'll get to on, oh yeah, I guess we'll do that one today. Well, no, Thursday. The big one we'll get to Thursday, uh, which is Thursday night, Virginia and Carolina. We'll preview that one on Thursday's episode <clears throat> to come out Thursday morning. So we'll preview that one then. But uh, so far, Tuesday, pretty loaded slate. One game on Wednesday. And then I mentioned Thursday. We'll get to those at a later date. But before we get into the Midweek schedule. I uh, want to look back at what went on during the weekend action. <clears throat> and I always like to pick out one or two things, maybe to mention that you know I, I didn't get the chance to go deep into on Saturday, or maybe a game that I didn't get to watch. Um, and, and look, this this one, we're going to go with Michigan here. Um, look, Michigan, they started or have started strong this season. They're one of seven undefeated teams left. Obviously, Bellarmine, Detroit Mercy, Holy Cross, not necessarily the toughest start. Canisius and Cleveland State after that, so... You know, you kind of expect them to go undefeated in that schedule. Um, And then, look, they have a tough game against Marquette where it kind of, to me at least, watching that game, thought, okay, maybe this isn't exactly the team we thought they were going to be. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking it's Tuesday. Tuesday is for the Hunter. And, you know, maybe just some midweek jitters or just being down on a midweek game. And I I think that's probably what you mark up that one too, 12 to 10, where they have to fight back um, against Marquette. And, like, they started that way against Canisius as well a week earlier, but they had come back and blown them out. Marquette's obviously a better team there. Um, And so it was a, a fight till the end. And then they come to Delaware on on Saturday, and this is really, you know, Michigan has had, in looking at their schedule, you know, really a, a, a stretch leading up to Big Ten play where you could say they're going to get tested. And, you know, Marquette, Delaware, Harvard, and Notre Dame. Delaware and Notre Dame, and especially the Irish, are uh, the two games that stick out there, top 20 teams, top 15 type teams. Michigan has passed one of those tests. They go in, or actually they welcome in Delaware. And look, this is one where, and I've I've gone back and watched this one, or at least most of it. Um, Don't really need to watch the second half uh, or the, like, fourth quarter there. Um in a blowout situation like this. But, you know, Mike Robinson, Ty Coates, Ty Coates, 
uh, is what you see on the score sheet uh, in the first 10 minutes, five minutes of the game. And then, you know, Michigan is able to rev, rev it up and they come back. And this was a massive run that they go on, a nine-goal run to go from down 3 nothing to up 9-3. to Then they get another one to go late in the half. Jake Bonomi on a man-up situation, his second man-up goal of the game, his first half hat trick. And you know, you're up 10-5 to at half. And you were once you were once down 3-0. Um, Michigan showed again they can fight back, and this was was against a team in Delaware that has had really good offenses in the past few years. Owen Grant is one of the best defensemen in the CAA, probably the best defenseman in the CAA. Um, you also have, you know, in cage there, Matt Kilkiri. He gets pulled uh, before the half, and they put in Paul Reedy, a freshman who he's played some minutes, and he, when he has played, he's looked really good for Delaware. So they have two good goaltenders. They have a solid defense overall. And, you know, you go back and watch this one, and Michigan just shreds right through them. Like, this Michigan offense, I know a lot of people <clears throat> certainly have said, like, you know, Michigan is a good team, but they have to show it against a tougher opponent. This was is not the toughest opponent they're going to face, but it's a tougher opponent than they've had so far. And they blew them out. Um Really, really big day for Michigan. I think I had mentioned on on um, on Saturday's episode that Zawada, he's now the all-time leading uh, career points guy in Michigan history, which is pretty insane when you think about it. Um, when he has, excuse me, single season record. I believe he's not all-time single season. Um, which is pretty insane to think about it when he, you know, comes in, comes in, and this is five games. What do they play? Seven games in the season. Like, this is March, people. This is March. Recording this here on March 7th. Like, this is March. This is not April. This is not May. Like, you break the single season point record. In early March, I think A, you could say, okay, well, look who they've played. That's pretty likely. And I, I understand that. But I don't care who you play. If you do that in against anybody, <clears throat> that's impressive. That's impressive. You know, he's been one of the best players in college across for a while now. Um, it, it, it's a shame that he did, we didn't get to see him that full freshman year. In 2020, he's really been the highlight of this Michigan team for a number of years now. <clears throat> and he continues to do it. Um, and then also, I, I do want to mention in, in this one, I, I know I've talked about Michigan's defense and it not being maybe as good as as their offenses and being kind of a weak point for them. 
Um, like, I gotta say that this defense, I thought, played well against Delaware. And, like, look, this is a Delaware offense. May not be one of the best in the country. May not be what they were last year. But, you know, Mike Robinson, Ty Coates, those are still two very high-profile, uh, very high-talented players. J.P. Ward, Nick Jackson, Cam own Like, this is a unit. Mark Beta is held scoreless in this one. He's been really good for them thus far. Um, like, this isn't a bad Delaware offense. It's it, it's not Virginia. It's, you know, but it's not Maryland. But it's still a pretty good unit. And to hold them to eight goals is is pretty impressive here. And this this Michigan team overall played very, very well. Very well. And <clears throat> you see at the face-off dot when we had, you know, Nick Lallette was in there. And he gets pulled. Okay, he gets pulled. I, and you put in Justin Wheatfeld, and he goes 52%. 52% after... You see Nick Lallette start two of eight, and they put Wheatfield in there, and like that—that's a—that's a. When you look at the Michigan faceoff unit, a lot of people see Lallette, Lallette. That's really a two-pronged attack because both these guys, on any given day, can step up, and we saw that happen here on Saturday. It was Wheatfield's day. He went in, he got hot, and he dominated the faceoff dot there. <clears throat> against the Blue Hens, who haven't been uh, very good at the face-off dot this season. But on Saturday, you had Logan Pomaja go uh, 55% there. So uh, it was a pretty even matchup there. But we felt, you know, does his thing um, in the 21 face-offs that he took, uh, wins half of them, right? And, and he does his thing. That's... Not dominant, but I think I'd said dominant just a minute ago. Not not dominant, but uh, a solid effort there. And this, <clears throat> as I mentioned, defense played a lot better than we've seen Michigan defense play. And this offense just tore this Delaware defense to shreds. So that's the one thing I wanted to mention here was just how dominant this Michigan win was. Second thing I want to mention <clears throat> from Saturday, um, we only have five teams left on Reverse Survivor Island. Cleveland State, Robert Morris, Wagner, St. John's all earned wins this weekend to get off Reverse Survivor Island. Congratulations, you got your first win of the season. Detroit Mosey, Hampton, Holy Cross, NJIT, and UMass Lowell still looking for a win as we move into week six of the college lacrosse season. Now, I've had some people ask me. Now, I don't have a vote in the top 20 or anything, but I have people ask me past couple weeks. If you had a top 20, what would it be? And so in my weekly rewind post that I do each week, I've gone ahead and put that in there. Here's what I had this week. Maryland at one. 
Virginia at two, Penn, Cornell, and Rutgers to round out that top five. I have Princeton at six. I have Georgetown at seven. Notre Dame at eight. Army at nine. Ohio State at ten. That top ten notably leaves, leads out Duke. Um, in which, like, I, I, it was hard to, to leave out Duke, but I, I did feel it, and it really came down to, I, I don't think Cornell's win over Ohio State warranted dropping Ohio State out of the top ten. And I don't think Princeton's win over Georgetown warranted dropping Georgetown out of the top ten. Um... So, you know, Duke at 11, I think might be a bit low, for sure. But, and Army, I think you could argue, is should probably be at that 11 spot. And I did go back and forth. Uh, but I wasn't going to drop Ohio State or Georgetown out of the top 10. I know, you know, Cornell, uh, Princeton both deserve to be in there. Cornell, I think, is the top five team. Princeton, I have right outside there at number six. Notre Dame at eight. Um, they have two losses in a row now over Georgetown and over Maryland. So I, you know, and I do think Notre Dame looked good in that note in the Maryland loss. They looked better than they did against uh, Georgetown. So they're continuing to grow, continuing to move up, and we'll see what they do as they move on. Got Ohio State this weekend, so. <clears throat> will be another good one there. See if the Irish can get back in the win column. Um, top three, I think, is pretty self-explanatory, self-easy, uh, or easy to do. Maryland, Virginia. I think you could flip a coin, Penn and Cornell, uh, who gets that third and fourth spot. And then Rutgers, you have to keep them in the top five. They're undefeated. Uh, yes, Stony Brook almost beat them, but uh, Stony Brook, I had my top two. If I had a vote, I would have had Stony Brook in the top 20 last week, and I have them at number 19 uh, this week, which is who I would have had them last week as well. Outside of that top 10, I mentioned Duke at 11. I've, I've Yale at 12. I've Michigan at 13. Carolina at 14. I've Boston U at 15. And then Jacksonville and Utah at 16 and 17. Obviously, Utah beat Jacksonville, so... How do I have them lower? Well, Jacksonville beat Denver, and they also beat Duke. Both were top uh, were both top 10 teams at the time, or top 15 teams. I believe they were. I believe Denver was the top 15 team at the time. Uh, I've dropped Denver out of the top 20. <clears throat> Frankly, I wouldn't have had Denver in the top 20 last week either. Um, I would have dropped them out two weeks ago uh, for how just – Bad they've looked. Uh, so Jacksonville, Utah, there, 16, 17. Brown at 18. Stony Brook at 19. And Syracuse at 20. This bottom, like, half, I feel like there's a lot of teams here that have shown a lot, um, but also maybe are running a thin line. Or, you know, like we said with Michigan. Dominant win over Delaware, who is a good team, but you've got to show it against a top. You have to show it against a Big Ten team. 
You have to show it against Notre Dame in a few weeks, right? <clears throat> Yale, who I have right now, and I did a thing on the weekend rewind again with uh, ranking just the just the Ivy League teams, and I have Yale as the fourth best Ivy League team right now, behind Penn, Cornell, and Princeton. And I said that you know oh, there's a lot of going up to do on that team. I think they're probably top to bottom the best uh, team in terms of talent and athleticism in the Ivy League, but there's a lot of growing up to do on that team, and I think they're the one Ivy that's going to continue to get better as the season progresses. Well, as Cornell, Penn, and Princeton, they're still going to improve, and Brown, they're still going to improve and get better. Um, but I, I think the ceiling for Yale is much higher than it is for those teams, those other teams. Michigan at 13, I think, you know, they're a top 15 team, and, and they've, they've proven that, even though, like we mentioned, got to play some tougher opponents and see what they do against those tougher opponents. Uh, but, like, they showed it against Delaware and their top 15. Carolina, like, <clears throat> I think they're still trying to reel in from that loss to Ohio State. You beat Brown, you beat Denver, um, <clears throat> and you beat Denver by one. And this was a game really where, I mean, they were up significantly, uh, like six, seven goals, I think it was. And they let Denver come back. It was really a game of runs in that one. Chris Gray, with the final two of the game, has himself a sock trick. Uh, there, Carolina, I, I think, was still seeing the evolution of that midfield unit with so much inexperience there coming into the season. Um, but like Chris Gray's Chris Gray. I think the Carolina defense kind of collapsed at times against Denver, and it, it was that offense that had to bail them out um, and you know, get the win. So we'll see. They're still improving. Boston U is one of seven undefeated teams as well. They've been, if you've not watched Boston U, very fun team. Very fun team to watch. Ten-man ride. Uh, this offense is really good. Timmy Lay, Louis Pofito, Jake Cates, number of guys. Vince Alto, number of guys. That top, the top end of this offense, really good, really fluid. Works well together. Very fun team to watch. Uh, and really, Cam, uh, Connor Calderon <clears throat> has been a big, big addition to this team at the faceoff dot. Really, I would attribute a lot of their success to him at the dot coming in from Maryland. Uh, Calderon really just changing the game there where Boston, he wasn't that good faceoff dot last year. Insert him, it's a complete 180 uh, at that at that particular spot throughout the first uh, five or six games of the season. Defensively, I think this is this is an athletic. This is a big defense. Roy Meyer at the LSM spot, a very fun player to watch. Continuing that trend of solid LSMs at Boston U, they're a fifth, they're a top 15 team. Uh, Jacksonville, Utah, we talked about that, 16 and 17. I got them there. I, th I think they're pretty. Uh, Utah beat them. Utah 
with that fast-paced approach, I think, was able to beat Jacksonville. Really, the Dolphins couldn't keep up with that. Good game on Sunday night. If you didn't see it, hopefully you recorded it. Go back and watch it. Absolute fun one. Uh, Brown, study book, and Syracuse, I think, are those final three that should be in the top 20 that are right there kind of on the bubble of a top 20 team or not. Brown obviously has some good wins, Villanova and Vermont, but they've had some slow starts, um, have had some slumps mid-game that they got to tighten up. Stony Brook, uh, I think, could end the season as high as 15-16. Look, they got the news. You can't play in the America East tournament. And they said, you know what? The only way that we're going to get in the NCAA tournament, which is what every team wants to do, is if we get an at-large bid. It's going to be difficult for them to get one, but if they run through the rest of this schedule, um, which they very well could, this is a very good Stony Brook team, uh, Kevin Mack and <clears throat> Dylan Palanetti leading the way there on offense. Uh, they've got a game at Brown this weekend, which is going to be crucial for them. Brown, Syracuse are going to be crucial non-conference games, and then they still have their conference slate, uh, which I think they could run through. They're probably the best team in the America East. Um, at the moment, certainly after the kind of, I wouldn't want to say sluggish start, because you do have some tough teams in there with Duke, but the uh, start Vermont's had that isn't what they wanted. Syracuse, uh, you beat Hobart. Congratulations. You got the three-game losing skid. Done, uh, but man, it's gonna take a lot there to <clears throat> to really reel that thing back in, and they're continuing to grow. Um, I'll be interested to see how the Orange continue to build this season. Just I, very, very tough to watch that team sometimes with some of the silly mistakes they make in the middle of the field, uh, the turnovers. But when that offense, when they get going. And the Dodge have the offense. And when they get going and, and, and they do what they do best, they they can just roll you. And and you see that at times. They just have a difficult time of putting everything together. And, you know, are they going to be able to beat an ACC team? I think, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if they're going to beat Virginia the next time they play them, but I think that one will be closer than it was back in February, so we'll see. This team is going to grow. Uh, it's first year under a new head coach. Um, th- this offense is a little bit different, obviously with no Owen Hiltz, as you thought. Um, so they're growing. They're growing. Be patient, Syracuse fans. Be patient. Now moving into uh, previewing the midweek slate, as we mentioned off the top. Uh, a couple good ones here on Tuesday. One, I actually wrote a little um, feature piece on this, Dartmouth and Vermont. This is one where I think Vermont in a tweet today called it a rivalry. I wouldn't necessarily call it that, but okay. Um, obviously, the two most northernmost Division One programs, I believe. Vermont is the northernmost. I think Dartmouth's the second northernmost. It's about 86 miles um, in between the two campuses. Um, and 
this one, highlighting this one, is uh, this goalie duel where Daniel Hanks for, for Dartmouth and Ryan Cornell for Vermont. Um, it's really two different styles as well. Like, Hanks is a, <clears throat> is, you know, Dartmouth, say welcome to the trees, up at the pine trees in uh, New Hampshire. That's really emblematic of Daniel Hanks. He's six foot five, two ten, just fills up a goal, right? Um, very much a just brick wall in cage. Ryan Cornell, not a stationary guy at all. Very active, five foot eleven, one hundred fifty-five pounds. Um, and very much reflects you know, <clears throat> the catamounts, a wildcat, very uh, cat-like reflexes, unpredictable, and that's what you get in Ryan Cornell. So I think this one here, both goalies, how both goalies play will be interesting. Um, but more than that, just this game overall is going to be an interesting one. You have Dartmouth, who is coming off, you know, they had to hold off Siena on Saturday. And then Vermont, they got their win. I mean, they absolutely blew out uh, Bryant on Saturday. They look like they've come into their own after a little uh, you know, less than stellar start. You know, lost to Duke, obviously. No shame in that. But then you lose to Utah, a good Utah team, and you lose to uh, Brown each by one. And in both those games, you had long stretches where you just didn't get anything going offensively. Um, and you let the other team's offense just pile on. <clears throat> now, they eventually came back in both those games, but uh, they don't come out with the win. Bryant, they go into that one, and they take over. And it's best game they've played so far is against Bryant, for sure. Uh, so both these teams coming off wins. Dartmouth's two and one. Uh, Vermont is two and three. We'll see how these teams stack up against each other on Tuesday. I was going to say Saturday. On a Tuesday, this is the all-time series here. And this game was close the last time these two played. Um, the Catamounts have this is the twenty-eighth all-time meeting, I believe, between these two programs. Um, and the folks since 2020 in that game, it was a nine to eight win for Vermont. Uh, that was just the, the Catamounts seventh win in the series there. So, um, Vermont seven of 28 in the series against Dartmouth. Uh, interesting one there at three o'clock also. At 3 o'clock, you have Drexel and St. Joseph's. Um, St. Joseph's, obviously, Zach Cole has been doing some work there at the faceoff. Uh, Drexel, really pulling that team. Uh, Drexel, you, on the other hand, and, and, and St. Joe's has been, since that loss to Delaware, uh, they've been rolling 15-13 to 13 over Penn State, 15-8 over Providence, 15-10 over Monmouth. 
They now travel to Drexel for a Philly matchup. Um, and well, Drexel, they started so well, eight, eight, uh, 12 8 loss to UMBC, 13 11 loss to Lafayette. Uh, they bounced back 14 12 win over Albany, 10 8 win over LIU. And in that win, you see Ross Blumthal with 20 saves. Uh, he, the first couple games, wasn't, and this team overall wasn't like on their best, and, and him included. Um, but he's really bounced back these past couple games. He has 47 saves, 20 of which were against LIU, uh, 58% save percentage. Sean Donnelly, Ryan Janord, Aiden Cole running things offensively there with the Dragons. You know, the, the, the biggest thing uh, for me looking at this game is what's going to go down at the faceoff dot. And I think we know what is likely to happen, and what is likely to happen is Zach Cole dominate. Um, we've seen Drexel. Obviously, they they graduated uh, a pretty solid faceoff guy after last season. Fifty guy who had been there for a while in Jemiah Kota, and you know you, you bring in this year got a lot of youth there. We've seen Grant Iska take some draws. We've seen Mark Hartman take some draws. Iska being a freshman. Uh, Aiden Shortley, a redshirt freshman, has taken uh, the majority of their draws. And then Mike Linskold, another redshirt freshman, has been their backup, uh, their primary backup here, uh, taking the second most draws for them this season. And like they've gone, as a team, <clears throat> 35% at the dot opposed to Zach Cole has taken all but three face-offs for St. Joseph's. He's gone 72%. Um, that one, like, it, it, that's going to be key, is Drexel's going to have to find a way to counter that face-off, that possession advantage, and whether that be with a guy like Ross Blumthal on cage, right, with a solid defense, or if that's, trying to force those, uh, force as many unclean wins as you can and try to get those ground balls off the faceoff where you don't necessarily win the clamp, but you can get those wild ground balls. So that'll be interesting one there. UMass and Albany, um, this is always a good one. I haven't watched a ton of Albany this year. I watched the Cornell game, um, but I haven't watched that much of them. UMass, I know is facing some injuries. Kevin Tobin did not play against Yale. So we'll see if he's back uh, for this one. Uh, really, and they've had a number of guys that were out. Chris Conley hasn't played uh, the past two games for them. Uh, you know, he can't, was you know coming back for the fifth season, uh, an extra season off a injury-ridden uh, year in 2021 where he didn't play. Uh, I think he played one game, and that was it in 2021. So he's been injured there. <clears throat> so we'll see how many guys are back in the lineup for UMass. But obviously it didn't matter that much on Saturday. Uh, they don't get the win, but they do uh, take Yale to overtime. 
And uh, again, it's always pretty good there. Gabriel Prosek has been really their go-to guy. Mike Tobin uh, has also been very, very solid there. Uh, the other Tobin brother for UMass this season. When you look at Albany, and I mentioned I haven't watched a ton of Albany this year, but uh, they haven't had the best start. They're one and two, and neither is UMass either. Um, UMass, I think, is starting to put things together. Looked a lot better against Yale than they did against Boston U a week earlier. Albany, they've been off for uh past, what, five days. So um, they played on Wednesday against Siena last Wednesday. And now they're playing here against UMass at UMass. This is a Albany team. I mentioned one and two. We've seen Graydon Hogg lead, lead them offensively with nine points on the season. Amos Whitcomb, <clears throat> a freshman, has stepped up there. Uh, Decker Thomas. It's been a solid uh, second-line midfielder for them thus far in 2022. Uh, so a lot of youth on that offense. Uh, Hogg being a junior, and then those three I just mentioned uh, being freshmen there, Amos Whitcomb, uh, Jacob Milan, uh, another midfielder who started one game on the season. I believe he started the, was it the Cornell game? Uh, okay, it was last game. He started last game. His first start had four goals against Drex, so that's what I was thinking of. Um, so we'll see how this team continues to grow. Um Obviously, on the back end, Tanner Hay leading the way on defense there. And Elijah Gash, also a strong start. Tommy Hellyer continuing things in cage. Um, So, we'll see how they do here against UMass. Uh, This is always a pretty good one. Uh, if you remember correctly, these two played <clears throat> right before uh, the end of the 2020 season. And it was a 17-12 UMass win. But that's when Albany, they, they, they had beat Drexel, they had beat Harvard. They had this close. They were coming back in this one. Time just ran out on them. Uh, Dehoka was playing some of the best lacrosse we've seen from him. In, the, in college, they then go and they lose to Maryland 14-13 to on that Saturday. Uh, so Albany, during that season, 2020, was kind of coming up during that UMass game, and it was really, really good contest there. Uh, they played last year as well, and Albany, they got the 13-12 win, and w- 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 which was, at the time, their biggest win of the season, uh, <clears throat> they had, had had come off that loss against Vermont, beat Binghamton as they should, and then come in midweek and they get a big one over uh, what at the time was a 13th-ranked UMass team um, and a really tough win there with a defense. Played pretty solid in that one. So Albany-UMass, one to get excited about. Hofstra-Binghamton, Fairfield-Quinnipiac also. This week, 
uh, 7 p.m. for each of those on Tuesday night. Robert Morris and Canisius is the lone game on Wednesday. That is all for today's show. As always, thank you all for tuning in. You can check us out at Lacrosse Bucket on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season. I will be back on Thursday to preview uh, what will be an exciting weekend of lacrosse, as well as that uh, Virginia-North Carolina game, the first ACC Thursday night lacrosse game of the week, or of the season, excuse me. 